Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Are you a creative or business person who's just plain tired of spinning your wheels, running in circles, trying to make progress in your career? This is the podcast that will change all of that. We're talking about strategies and techniques you can use to achieve more by working better and more effectively so you can reach your goals faster without having to work harder. I'm Gordon Firemark, and this is More Better Faster. Hello and welcome to another episode. I am so glad you've joined me. In the next few minutes, I'm going to be talking about the phenomenon known as imposter syndrome, and I will give you some thoughts about how to overcome its impact. So what is this imposter syndrome? Well, it's a psychological phenomenon in which people are unable to internalize their own accomplishments. They see all the external evidence of their competence and effectiveness, but those who have the syndrome nevertheless remain convinced that they are frauds and that they don't deserve their successes. Despite all the evidence of success, they dismiss it as luck or timing or as a result of having deceived others into thinking they're more intelligent or competent or deserving of opportunities. And this, uh, you know, there was some psychological research conducted in the 1980s or so that estimated about two out of five successful people feel as if they're a fraud. Uh, Other studies have gone out to suggest that the figure is more like 70% of people feeling like imposters at one time or another. Now, this is not considered a psychological disorder. It's not in the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders, the DSM, but it is nevertheless very real, a lot of people suffering from it. The term imposter syndrome was coined by two psychologists, Pauline Clancy and Suzanne Imes, back in 1978. And some interesting high-profile people have reportedly experienced the syndrome, people like screenwriter Chuck Lorre, best-selling writer Neil Gaiman, comedian Tommy Cooper, business leaders Sheryl Sandberg, and even U.S. Supreme Court Justice uh, Sonia Sotomayor, actress Emma Wilson, and so on. Even Albert Einstein uh, has said was said to have suffered uh, from the syndrome near the end of his life. Uh, about a month before he died, he reportedly confided to a friend, quote, the exaggerated esteem in which my life's work has held. It makes me very ill at ease. I feel compelled to think of myself as an involuntary swindler. Close quote. So how does this affect folks that are working in the entertainment, the media, podcasting, or really any kind of business, lawyers, doctors, you know, you name it. We've all been there a little bit, right? You set out to achieve your goals, take action, and then you start to feel intimidated. You have that little hint of the sense that you're not what you project to the world. You hesitate to put it all out there because all will be revealed and you'll be shown to be the fraud that inside your heart you know that you are. But that's all really a big lie that your unconscious mind is telling you. It's trying to protect you against something. That's your lizard brain, the ancient part of your brain that is doing its level best to keep you out of harm's way, which was great when we were you know, running from saber-toothed tigers and things like that. But when you examine the harm in putting yourself out there this way uh, and you look at it closely, you can see this is really an overblown protective mechanism. This isn't life or death risk we're talking about. It's the kind of risk 
being visible, seen, recognized, honored, rewarded, and, and even being paid for our efforts that we all need to take these kinds of risks if we're going to succeed. So it's time to shut down that lizard brain's little voice in our unconscious minds. So what are some ways to overcome imposter syndrome? Well, I'll show you a few uh, that you can use to overcome this, this debilitating thing. Some exercises and some things you can do and approaches you can take that will help them get yourself out of your own way and allow you to put yourself out there. And this applies beyond just when you're making you know, podcasts and videos and doing social media and that kind of thing. People experience this all the time in their day-to-day encounters with the outside world. So these are really good tactics and skills to develop no matter what you do or how you market for, or what have you. I confess I have myself I have myself. I have myself felt this way from time to time. You know, oh, if they only knew, nobody would listen to me ever again. And you know, as I sit and think about it, and I employ some of these strategies, I have been able to recognize that I am anything but an imposter, and that will be your result as well. So let me help you to do the same. Here are a few ways that you can cope with imposter syndrome if you suffer from it. Now, first off, it's important to be authentic and honest with yourself about your skills and expertise and knowledge and so on. Authentic, uh, honest analysis of your, of your, you know, of your stuff is important. It it needs to be realistic and an accurate reflection of who you are. Think about it for a second. If you're a lawyer, hey, there are some things out there. I think it's safe. You know, look, we can assume things about your achievements up until now. You went to school. You achieved good grades. You attended college. You did well there as well. You got into law school. You got through law school. You passed a bar exam or two. Maybe you're about to pass a bar exam. You got a job or you launched and ran a practice or maybe you got one of them, you know, multiple jobs. Who knows what? And so on. You've managed to get and service clients. You've helped those clients find solutions or resolutions to their problems. You've managed to eke out a living, however great or small that living may have been. Or maybe you're an actor or a musician and you've got training. You went to school, you took private classes or lessons, you've done performance, probably quite a lot of performance. You probably got some reviews and credits or other evidence that you actually can do what you've set out to do. Maybe you're a business owner. You have more expertise than you probably even realize. Your products, services, whatever are second nature to you, you know, unless you're brand new at it, of course. But if you're not, your experience is valuable. Things that may seem like a piece of cake to you because you've done them so many times are not easy for someone who hasn't. We all have this curse of knowledge. We know how things work, so we assume that knowledge is easy to come by. But it's not. One of the great strategies for overcoming imposter syndrome that I've used is writing, journaling. Make out a list of your achievements and accomplishments. Write it all out. This is no time to be shy or modest or self-effacing. Get it all down on paper. What this does is it allows you to organize your thoughts through writing using a method that gets you some distance and seeing yourself more objectively more objective, more objectively <laughs> will help you. So start by making a list of some of these kinds of accomplishments, the, the things that are relevant that uh, to that which you're trying to do when you're feeling these imposter syndrome feelings. But be very specific about them. Go into a lot of detail, if possible, and make that list. And don't hesitate to make it a long, long list. I myself have also adopted something where, you know, not so much blowing my own horn, but certainly I have a resume, and your resume is such a list. But here, you're not limited to a one- or two-page resume. Make it 10 pages or 20. List every single achievement you can think of 
And then go ask your family and friends, what did you leave off? You'd be surprised what they tell you. What about this? What about that? They'll remind you of things that you'd forgotten about or didn't think were much of an accomplishment. Write them down. Once you're able to see all of those accomplishments on paper, as opposed to interpreting them internally, you're probably more able to associate those things with the reality of who you are and what you're all about. And the text of this thing can also be used as a reminder of your accomplishments at a later time. So keep it around. Read it. Review it from time to time. The idea is that by reviewing and seeing this stuff, you dissolve this sense of inadequacy or or fraudulent nature. Now, take a look at your customer or client list or or your credits or your any articles you might have written or blog posts or any other material that you've put out there previously to the world and take note of how much of it there is and how you've done with it and how responses have been and so on. And what I also have done is taken, you know, anytime I receive a complimentary email or a note or a thank you or, you know, kudos of any kind, I have started this little clipping file for those kinds of things. And anytime I receive an acknowledgement or thanks, I try to drop that note into the file. So when I'm feeling a little less than, I will sit down and just go through that file, browse through it. And it's amazing how much better about oneself you can feel very quickly when you know, you, you've reviewed some of those accomplishments and, and how you've helped other people. Now, I do want to say next up that you have to be realistic also about your weaknesses and your, your flaws because you know, nobody is perfect and everybody has weaknesses and flaws and areas to improve. So ask yourself, if you have a perceived weakness, maybe it makes sense to write down a list of those as well. Now, I might even suggest to write each one of them on a separate small slip of paper and just ponder them. Do this one at a time. Ask the, the question, is this really a weakness or is it just a matter of how I perceive things? You know, if it's not a real weakness, then it's easy enough to discard it. And you might even want to do something symbolic like like burn that little piece of paper. But if it is a real weakness, then wait and make it a goal to burn that piece of paper when you've overcome that. It's not merely your own perception, then ask some questions. Is this something that you, with which you can function anyway? If so, just throw it out. It's not really a weakness. Can you improve this area and will you? And then ask, what's the worst thing that can happen as a consequence of having this weakness? And just weigh it out. Does it make sense to, to really give this any any of your attention at all? What is the likelihood that this worst thing really is going to happen? And then examine the weakness in the context of turning it into an asset. Now, by that I mean make it into an asset by turning it into something you've identified as something you don't know, don't understand, don't feel comfortable teaching or or doing, whatever. Go out and do the learning and studying and informing yourself and prepare yourself to speak on the subject as an expert and do the things that you need to do. And guess what? You will become that expert. So turn those weaknesses into an asset and be realistic about the audience's degree of sophistication. And, you know, acknowledge that your degree of knowledge and understanding of the subject that you've chosen to work on exceeds the audience's. And that's all that really matters, especially to them. And finally, I'll say, do the work. Study up. Do the research, right? Ask your questions, interview experts. If you need to share your knowledge and also share your lack of knowledge, the inexperienced, uh, uh, the inexperience about things, being transparent about the things that you don't know is actually a tremendously valuable and attractive approach because it makes you approachable and human. And that is a tremendously important quality in a leader. Another great 
technique you can do is to actually put the questions that are in your mind, the areas where you have perceived a real weakness, put them out there. Don't hesitate to be honest about what uh, about what you're missing from your knowledge base or whatever with your audience and invite the audience to share their knowledge and experience with you. Everybody likes to be asked for their opinion or their advice or their help. And so it's a great way to engage your audience by saying, hey, here's what I need. Can you help me? And I'll help you in exchange. There's that sense of reciprocity that goes on. So those are my ideas on how to deal with imposter syndrome. But one more thing I want to say is that if you are suffering from imposter syndrome and you're feeling like it's stopping you from getting out there and putting yourself out in front of people to do your thing, examine carefully that thing that you've chosen to work on. Sometimes the thing we know the best and do the best is the hardest for us because we know so much about it and we do know all the nuance and the nitty gritty and, and, and things. And you have to remember that your audience is looking at a much sort of bigger picture forest for the trees approach to things. So while you see each tree, each leaf, each branch, each branch, each little twig or detail, your audience comes from a different place. And honestly, they won't know if you get the little details mixed up or over or, or skim over something. So that curse of knowledge that I mentioned, you have this greater amount of knowledge that will inform the way you approach these things. And that can actually make it difficult for your audience to enjoy and appreciate things. So Give yourself a break and give your audience the break of, of sharing what you do have. And you can fill in those blanks as you go a little later on if necessary. But oftentimes it won't even be necessary. All right. So as I'm wrapping up this episode, I just want to summarize. You are more of an expert than you think you are. You probably do have the education, the experience, and the wisdom to succeed in your chosen path. And if not, go out and get what you need. Take one step at a time. Maybe your audience knows less than you do. And you have all you have to do to lead is to be a step or two ahead of them and trust yourself. So take a realistic inventory, do the writing exercise, read and reread your list and remind yourself of all your real qualifications and successes and keep that kudos or clippings file nearby. So you can always reconnect with the feeling of helping people and of experiencing their gratitude and don't dismiss it when they express gratitude if they say, thank you, you've helped me so much, you don't say, oh, it was nothing. Say, I'm really glad I could help you. It's a small little shift in the way you approach things. But if you keep telling yourself it was nothing, then in your mind it really is nothing. And even though it might have been a small thing to you, remember that the value in every transaction is on the receiving end, right? They perceive it as a value. So focus on that. Did they get value from what you've done for them or said to them or taught them or led them through? And if so, then you're not a fraud. You're not a, an imposter. You're exactly what they needed at that moment. So keep that kudos and clippings file and, and reconnect with that. And finally, face the fears. Get out there. Be the expert, the leader, the success, because you already are. You might just not have realized it yet. So that's it for this episode of More Better Faster. I'm Gordon Firemark. And I will talk to you again very soon.
Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.